This is Scott Archer, pastor of Central Congregational Church in La Mesa, California. Thank you so much for tuning into our Sunday service podcast, CCC Sunday Messages. I hope you find the messages both challenging and encouraging as you seek to know and follow Jesus in your daily life. If you live in or ever happen to visit the San Diego area, we would love to have you join us for worship and fellowship. For location, service times, and other information about our church, please visit our website at cccLamesa.com. CCC is a small but passionate intergenerational church working together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors near and far. Well, grab your Bible or your tablet, whatever you use, and turn with me once again to the Gospel of Mark. We've got just a few more weeks together in in this gospel. It'll uh, be close to a year, I think, by the time, or about nine months by the time we get done, that we have been in the Gospel of Mark. We've taken a couple breaks uh, now and then. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 14, looking at verses 12 through 31, as we continue our series entitled, Getting In on the Good News. And uh, I hope uh, that we are discovering that as we commit ourselves to Christ in his person and his way, that even though he, it, life is challenging and difficult often, uh, that everything about Jesus when we commit ourselves to him is, is ultimately good news. And the title f- uh, of the message this morning is A Meal to Remember. Uh, because the, the heart of the passage that we'll read in just a moment centers around Jesus, uh, the Last Supper that Jesus celebrates with his disciples just before his crucifixion. A meal to remember. And, uh, you know, uh, there's times throughout each year that we share memorable meals together. Um, and there's, there's just something really wonderful about coming together with family or friends or family and friends, sharing a wonderful meal together. Uh, I'm sure we all have great memories of Christmas dinners or Thanksgiving dinners or, or coming up this weekend, uh, uh, 4th of July weekend barbecues. And uh, I, I don't know where you'll be and how comfortable you feel being out and about, but I'm sure most of us will find some way to barbecue some hamburgers or hot dogs or whatever uh, as we celebrate uh, the independence of our country. Um, and, uh, but but we, we cherish those times together. And uh, what we see happening in this passage is Jesus gathering with his disciples in Jerusalem uh, during Passover, this time where they, uh, every year Jews then and even still Jews today, remember uh, the way God rescued them uh, many, many, many years ago from the clutches of Pharaoh uh, on, on Passover, by, uh, where they, they slaughtered a lamb and put the blood over their doorposts, and the angel of death passed over them uh, and as, as the final plague of, of the firstborn of every, every human and every animal, their lives were, were taken in that, in that final plague. And then finally, the, the Israelites were released from captivity in Egypt. And so this, uh, this Passover celebration was, is probably the most memorable meal uh, for Jews of Jesus' day and even Jews uh, for, t- for today. And, um, and we also need to understand that in Jerusalem, technically you were supposed to celebrate this meal in Jerusalem. They would actually have to expand the boundaries of the city, sort of 
you know, artificially expand the boundaries of the city uh, because so many thousands of people would come to Jerusalem for this festival, like they did for a couple other festivals throughout the year. And, um, and they would come together and they would share uh, the whole Passover meal. It's a long process. Some of you have been through a Passover feast or a Seder feast. Um, and the bread and the wine that we'll talk about were a part of that. And what we see happening here is that Jesus comes to this familiar, memorable meal, and he uh, engages in it in a totally new way and demonstrates that he is the fulfillment of all that has been pointed to in all these years of the celebration of this past event, and he redirects it away from the past of Israel and even from Israel itself and redirects that meal and especially the bread and wine toward the kingdom of God. And to, to now, now uh, sort of our Passover meal, even though we just focus on the bread and the wine, uh, goes from so much, not so much remembering what God did back then, but a looking forward. And uh, so let's read the passage and then we'll uh, take a few minutes and uh, look at it together what God has for us. And uh, let me get here. There it is. So this is Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where may I, where, where I may, excuse me, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, thus the term upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you do not mean me, or surely it is not I, in some translations. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips his bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. While they're on the Mount of Olives, Jesus said, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. 
But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Wow, that's a powerful passage. And uh, thinking about sometimes when we get together for these memorable meals for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever it might be, uh, sometimes they start out really great, but then maybe somebody has too much to drink or that... uh, that one person in your family that just loves a fight starts to bring up their opinion about this, that, and the other thing. And the next thing you know, uh, that gathering that's memorable and, and wonderful uh, takes a difficult turn. And we see that happening in this meal, this meal that is a celebration of what God has done in the past. Uh, Jesus uses to sort of be the final announcement. He's been telling his disciples for many, many days now that he is going to Jerusalem to die, that he's going to be crucified and rise again. And if you've been going through the study with this, you realize they just, they hear it, but they don't understand it. And they, they keep behaving in ways that are just, that prove they don't really get what's happening. But in the middle of this meal, the celebration of what God has done, Jesus picks up these familiar elements of the bread and the wine, and he redefines them. And, and really sort of brings a downer on the whole memorable meal because he says, this is my body. So he's redefining it. And, uh, but he says, that is broken for you. And then he shares the cup with them. And he said, now, this cup is now the blood of the new covenant. It represents my shed blood. And then he goes on to talk about that one of them was going to betray them and that all of them would would, dis, would would run away from him. Can you just feel the air going out of the room? Uh, can you feel the, the shock and the horror of being told that this meal, that one of them would betray them? So it really uh, puts a whole different spin and brings a gravity to this meal that they didn't expect at all and had never experienced. And I think it would be important for us as we prepare our hearts to receive the elements at the end of this message to let the gravity of the moment capture us as well. Uh, in light of the gravity of what we're all walking through uh, in our country and in our world today. If you're taking notes, uh, here's the central thought. We get in on the good news, and that's the way I've started every central thought. Mark wants us to get in on the good news of Jesus Christ. So we get in on the good news when we realize that we bring nothing to the table of our salvation, for our salvation, or regarding our salvation that we have all fallen away, and that the grace of God in the sacrifice of Jesus is our only hope, personally and globally, for the whole world. We get in on the good news when we realize that we bring nothing to the table of our salvation, that we have all fallen away, and that the grace of God in the sacrifice of Jesus is our only hope, personally and globally. Let's see how this meal reminds us of those facts. And this is a simple sermon for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time. There's nothing earth-shattering in this message. It's really a reminder uh, about the basics of our faith. And it helps us understand that that communion, every time we receive it, it really is just a reminder of what our lives are really about when they're attached to Jesus Christ. So in in this meal, we are reminded, first of all, of the foreknowledge of God, or if you want to use the fancy, um, the fancy theological term, the omniscience of God, 
that God knows everything and he, and he knows uh, in, in advance and he, 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 he's just omniscient. He knows all. And we recognize that salvation through Christ, our salvation and the salvation of the world through Christ, is his plan from beginning to end. Jesus is in charge of this whole situation. They ask Jesus, that they know it's Passover, they ask him, where do you want us to provide the Passover meal? And he gives them detailed instructions. Go to this place, you're going to see a man with a jar, uh, on, uh, carrying a jar, talk to him, ask him the question, and he's going to tell you where to go. It's all set up. And we don't know if this is just Jesus seeing what's going on. We don't know if he set this up in secret ahead of time. Uh, but, but Jesus is in charge of the situation. And then he goes on to predict the betrayal of Judas Iscariot. That didn't catch Jesus by surprise or God by surprise either. In fact, he says the Son of Man, speaking about himself, must go the way it's been written about, the way it was prophesied hundreds of years before, but woe to the man who, who acts this out. And Jesus predicts that all of the disciples maybe won't betray him, but they'll all flee away from him. They'll all fall away. So we see in this the foreknowledge of God, the, the pre-planning of God, and that God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're all in this together. Uh, this isn't an after, our salvation and the, the, the life of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection. This was, uh, this was all God's plan from the beginning, and it's going accordingly to his plan. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 hint at this, or sort of state it pretty clearly. Starting at verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's, that's the value of, of what God has done for us in Christ. And then in verse 20 he says, He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Jesus comes to this moment, to this meal, by his own choice and in accordance with the plan of the Father. That's powerful and that's amazing. Think about how much of our lives uh, we don't control. Uh, and we're, we're feeling that like we never thought we'd feel that ever in our lives right now. This virus has just caught us all off guard. Uh, now, obviously, there's some epidemiologists and other researchers and people that said, hey, it's coming, it's coming. But most of us didn't think it was coming. We didn't know it was coming. And it's rearranged our whole lives. And then all the social unrest in our country has just caught most of us off guard. Uh, not that we didn't maybe know that there were issues in our country, but the way that it sort of all exploded. Most of our lives are not, even though we plan, there's things that happen all the time that times uh, that thwart our plans. But this is not the case with God. This is not the case with Jesus. He came, he was incarnate as a man, and he walked through life, and he gave his life willingly, all according to the plan of God, to the will of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that was all, uh, in some mysterious way, maybe we'll never understand, was all agreed upon uh, before uh, any of the worlds in the universe that we know was ever spoken to existence. So we need to take comfort in that, that God is, in, even in the midst of what we're walking through right now, God is in charge, and the purposes of Jesus in our lives and in our world continue to move forward.
forward. So we need to be reminded of that as we come to these elements, that there's nothing accidental about what Jesus did and about how he secured our salvation. The next thing this meal reminds us of is a little bit harder. It's, it's, it's pretty harsh because it reminds us of our personal failure, our sin, if you will. When Jesus uh, predicts the betrayal of um, Judas and all the disciples are going, oh, wait, it's not me, it's not me, and most of them, you know, obviously except Judas, know that it's not them. But then he takes it even a step further and he predicts once they get to the Mount of Olives, when we're going to see next week when he is going to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and the weight of what's coming is starting to fall on him and he just, I don't know what the tone of his voice was, but but he said, I want to let you know, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to leave me. And he quotes a prophecy and says, that I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And we are reminded when we come to the elements, the bread and the wine, they are a reminder of the, our need for salvation. And yet that we couldn't save ourselves and what Jesus did for us, he, he did willingly and he did it alone. And he did it without, he did it, in the midst of being betrayed and being abandoned. In fact, we know that once he got on the cross, there's that cry of what's called the cry of dereliction, where even in some mysterious way he felt abandoned by his father, where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can we enter into the weight, the gravity of that moment as the disciples sat there with Jesus stunned, hearing that one of them would betray him, and then him telling them just straight out that they were all going to abandon him. And we need to remind us, ourselves in this that we have all betrayed and we have all be- abandoned God. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, this is one of the very first memory verses I ever remember uh, learning when I was just a boy. Some of you probably know it. It says, we all like sheep, Remember, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, prophetically speaking of Jesus, the iniquity or the sin or the failure of us all. That's a heavy verse. That's a heavy moment in this memorable meal. But we need to be reminded of this, because if we can't bear the weight of our own failure, if we can't look it in the eye, we'll never know the joy of salvation. In Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, is one of the most famous uh, verses uh, that another one a lot of us memorize. Starting at verse 9, it says, what shall we conclude then? Speaking of Jews, he's talking, do the Jews have any advantage? Are they any better than the Gentiles, the non-Jews? Uh, He says, not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. 11, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. The disciples were with Jesus for three years. They were physically with him. They heard his teaching. They sat around fires with him. They were with him every day. They saw everything he said and did. And yet, they completely missed what was coming, even when he told them directly, I'm going to Jerusalem 
to die. They were so intent on their own purposes. They were so intent on securing their own position in what they thought was going to be the renewed kingdom of Israel. They were so intent on being safe and secure. So when things got tough, when, the, when, the, when, it, when it got scary, they all ran away. And so have you, and so have I. This meal, we need to let it remind us of our failure. Not because God wants, us to, wants to squish us down and, and uh, make us feel bad, but he wants to tell us the truth. He wants to un- us to understand the situation so our hearts will be ready to receive the fullness of his salvation. And that leads us to the last point. Is that this meal not only reminds us of the foreknowledge, the omniscience of God, that this is all his plan from before the world began, it not only reminds us of our personal failure and our sin, but fully and finally it reminds us, this meal reminds us of our present and our future hope. That no matter what we've done, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through personally or what we see going on in the world today, we are a people of great hope. When Jesus, when Jesus says, um, let, me, let me find this part of the passage here real quick. He says, uh, when he tells them, um, this is my body broken for you, and then he says, the wine, this is my blood shed for you, and, and this heaviness comes in the room, he says, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So even in the midst of the bad news right there, There's good news. There's hope that this isn't the end of the story. Our sin and the death of Jesus is not the end of the story. And then when he says that they're all going to abandon him, he says that, um, he says, uh, excuse me, but he says, in a sense he says, but it's okay because when I come, um, I will go, but after I have risen, So he gives them a clue that he's going to rise again. I don't think they heard it at this moment. He says, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. We're going to regather back where we started. Things are going to be okay. I don't know if you're like I am, but I I feel like I'm a fairly optimistic person. But then I'm surprised at times how easily, even after all the years I've walked with the Lord... I let bad news, either things I'm disappointed with in myself or what I see going on around me, uh, get my focus away from the great hope that we have in the Lord that, uh, uh, and, and, and just on to my own failure and the, the mess the world seems to be in. And we need to let this memorable meal, this bread and this wine, be a, a huge reminder to us that we, of all people in the world, are the people of hope because we know that whatever's going on in our lives right now, whatever's going on in the world is not the end of the story. Through Christ and his death and his resurrection, we have immediate forgiveness and the promised renewal of all things. Romans 3, 22 through 24. The righteousness, this righteousness, the righteousness from Christ that we receive when we come to faith is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. His righteousness, not our own. Our failure is overcome. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between any other uh, ethnicity or race. For we have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. 
Let me stop there for just a minute. I think we need to hear that as... I think our whole world needs to hear that right now. Of course, we always need to hear that. But right now, in all the tension that's going on, there are very real issues of racial injustice that need to be addressed. And we all need to look inside and ask the Lord to show us any way we are a party to that. And one of the things that I hear that I agree with completely, we, just not, we are not just to not be racist, we need to be anti-racist. But one of the things we need to hear in the midst of that is that... Uh, that we don't think that just because somebody's put down that people are just, you know, that somehow they're holy and we're not. This scripture puts us all on equal footing before the cross. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And that is true for every one of us. We are, as I just said, we are all on equal footing before the cross. This meal reminds us all of our failures, but it should also remind us all of the great hope of forgiveness and redemption and renewal that we have in Jesus. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, uh, says it this way, the the writer of uh, Revelation says, He's caught up in this vision, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. This is all symbolic language. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, us being the bride, Jesus being the husband. And I heard a loud voice from from the throne, throne of God saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Brothers and sisters, friends, that is the Christian hope. And that is what this meal that Jesus uh, put a sort of a damper on, uh, that's what it means for us. And he had to tell the bad news. He had to give it to the disciples straight so they could be prepared to receive and enter into the good news. So that they would know ahead of time uh, that the crucifixion was not the end. And these same men that fled at the first sign of persecution after the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost, we know uh, that almost all of them died martyrs' deaths and were courageous and full of faith to the very end because they had seen the resurrected Christ and they had a hope in themselves that was greater than anything this world could throw at them. Brothers and sisters, that's what God wants for you and for me. And I would just invite us as we come to these elements this morning to let both the gravity and the joy of this memorable meal fill our minds and our hearts once again and reshape our perspective. Can we learn to trust again and have a renewed faith in God's purposes, in his foreknowledge, that he's in control, even in the midst of what we see going on all around us right now. He is at work in ways we cannot see and that are beyond our understanding and expectation. 
God's ways are mysterious. We don't understand them all. But, or yet, he invites us right now to participate with him. We don't just remain in this fog and sort of this general, okay, yeah, I know God knows everything. I know he's got things planned out. But he has invited us to participate and to be a part of the change and of the renewal that is coming. This meal is also, it's not just an invitation to renew our faith in God's purposes, but it's an invitation to honesty about ourselves. Maybe it's time, maybe we, it, we, it's been a while since we've, we've really looked inside ourselves, looked at our motives, uh, our intentions, our imagination, our actions, our words. And maybe it's time we spend some time in confession, letting God investigate our lives. Like David said in the psalm, search me, O God, and show me if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our self-estimation and our self-righteousness are our greatest hindrances to freedom and faithfulness. And this meal, when we come to it, in our case, every month, is an opportunity for us to get back on track and to say, wait a minute, this isn't about me, and I don't have it all together, and I need to fall on my knees once again and confess my sin and be renewed in the righteousness of Christ and his forgiveness. This meal is finally an invitation to hope. Hope for the moment and hope for the future, for what's ahead. Crucifixion, as hard and horrible as it is, precedes resurrection. And that is our great hope in this moment, no matter what is going on in our lives. And I would just, uh, we can, we, that is why I know that Roy and Kathy Anthony, even though they de- grieve deeply for their son Ryan, they don't understand why God would let this happen. I know that they have a deeply rooted hope that Ryan's death is not the end of the story, that re- the resurrection of Christ, and because Ryan was a, had placed his faith in Christ, they have a confidence that he, they and he will be raised again, and we will all participate in the new heaven and the new earth. That is our hope. And so that gives us the ability, as we, as we allow this meal to, to remind us of that great hope, it gives us the ability to not give up. God never promised us that things in life would be, would be easy. We've, for those of us that live in the United States, and if we've had some level of affluence, we, we've really had it pretty easy, and so we're pretty rocked by what's going on right now. But we have, we have people all around the world, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world, that this and worse is their daily reality. Jesus never promised us life would be easy. That old song, I never promised you a rose garden. But we remember that scripture where he said, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer or take heart because I have overcome the world. This meal reminds us of, the, of the, the hope of the gospel that energizes us to stay in the fight and to stay loving and compassionate and purposeful, to, to daily seek the Lord, to be filled with his Holy Spirit so we can be agents of his grace and his love to those around us in our sphere of influence. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, Apostle Paul says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That is our hope. So let's take these elements together this morning. On this night, he took this bread 
And he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take it in faith together. And on that same night, it's interesting, it says he took the cup of wine and they, he passed it around and they all drank it. And after they all drank it, he said basically, this is my blood, the blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. Sort of they, all, they all sort of imbibed it and then he gives that definition. And, uh, and uh, he said, this, this, is the, this is the pathway to salvation. This is the pathway to grace and to peace. And brothers and sisters, as we thank God in Christ for his sacrifice and his suffering on our behalf, and we receive his forgiveness and we are caught up in his righteousness, we need to also remember that this cup reminds us that that's the path he's called us to walk in this world until that day of of resurrection and renewal. He tells each one of us to take up our cross daily and follow him, to die to ourselves, take our cross up daily. So let's let this meal remind us of that call as well. And let's let this, the blood of Jesus remind us of that. Let's take it together. Heavenly Father, on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters and my friends that are with me this morning, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that before you ever spoke us in the world's into being, you had a, had, a, had, had a rescue plan, a renewal plan, a redemption plan in place. And Lord, we don't, that's a deep mystery that we'll never completely fathom, but I'm so thankful that we have never been left on our own. We've never been purely victims. But there's always been, uh, salvation has always been in the picture. So we thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves. And Lord, we need to hear that on a regular basis. Not, not that we're bad people, not that we, we can't live up, Lord, but that we just are honest about the brokenness in our own lives, Lord, and the places of rebellion and sin and, and selfishness and pride and self-righteousness, Lord. You tell us that, Lord, so that, as I mentioned earlier, so we can enter in to the great grace and the great hope that we have through the life and the death and the resurrection of, your, of Jesus Christ. So thank you for that, Lord, and help us today. Help us to enter in anew, Lord. Uh, as we walk through these days ahead, and we don't know how long all this is going to take place, we don't know where it's all going, but we know you do. So help us be full of faith and faithfulness. And Lord Jesus, help us fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And it is in your great, strong name we pray. Amen.